Welcome to the Upskill Podcast, the number one podcast in learning and development in Asia Pacific. I'm Dave Online, your host, and the mission of this podcast is to talk about how technology is changing the way we learn and how we can leverage technology to increase performance by upskilling and reskilling the workforce. So let's get started for another episode here on the Upskill Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Upskill Podcast. I'm here today. It's my privilege today to, to be with you. Uh, Christian, hello. Nice to meet you. Welcome to the Upskill Podcast. Hello, Dave. Thanks for joining. And I look forward to, to talking to you and uh, to the audience. Absolutely. And the way we met on LinkedIn, I, 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 I saw your post on LinkedIn, right? And... Yeah, that was, a, that was a very interesting post about what 5G would do for education. And uh, I thought it was so relevant to, to discuss it. And then you made a note that I didn't understand. And then suddenly now we sit here uh, talking about what is, uh, what is the future for some of the things we see in e-learning. Exactly. And it's, uh, it's, it's fantastic to have you here. You're based in Denmark, in Copenhagen. That's and, correct. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, in Han- I'm in Hanoi, Vietnam. So... Um, Today, uh, we're going to talk about uh, video-based learning. So for my listeners, of course, uh, I want to represent my listeners and um, make sure that we can break down the topic and make it as interesting as possible. So um, please, by all means, um, if you could start off and tell us a bit about um, your career in a nutshell, first of all, and, uh, and then we can move into video-based learning. Yeah, I'll do that. So I started out as an electrical engineer and ended up working in software, even though that I thought I was going to design power station and transmission lines and things like that. I ended up in software. This is where I've been working for all my career. That is almost 30 years now. Uh, I started out in software for financial products and took also a period where I was heading up a learning company. And actually, I think this was back in 2000, so that's like 19 years ago. I was one of the first startups inside the e-learning or online learning uh, areas in Denmark. We tried it out. Unfortunately, we had a, an incident in 2001 that killed the market, and we were probably five years too early. No, oh, let's see, the iPhone came out in 2007. So we were six years too early with mm. online learning, mobile learning items on the device. So that is, uh, that is sort of the background. And for the past uh, two years, I've been working here at Yoqualio, heading up the product development and being responsible for also the software quality in our video e-learning platform uh, that we're offering as a cloud service. That's fantastic. And we'll get into that uh, more in detail uh, towards the end of this uh, interview. Um, but first of all, uh, as you know, most of my listeners on the Upskill podcast, 80% are from Vietnam. So of course I have to get in a question. Um, what do you know about Vietnam? Have you been to Vietnam? Um, or are you planning to visit Vietnam at some point in the future? I can only say I have unfortunately not been to Vietnam yet. Mm. I have been uh, studying a little around it. I know it has a long history going back many thousand years and it has been a consistent uh, uh, country in terms of uh, the region and the language and everything compared to other places in the world uh, and i i really love to be honest i love food from vietnam this oh, yes. is so nice very delicious in in any in in all ways so in that respect uh, i have vietnam on my bucket list to visit at some point in the future 
I would really love to do that. I have my, my wife has backpacked in Vietnam 15 years ago. And the story she tells about the beauty of the country and uh, the friendliness of the people is, is, is really making it a must on my list. Absolutely fantastic. And my listeners will be absolutely thrilled to, to hear that. So let's get on and let's dive straight in to the first section. We're going to kind of cover the trends in educational technology. And for my listeners, um, if you're not already following uh, Christian um, or the conversations, please go onto LinkedIn and uh, go into hashtag edtech and then you'll get updated on lots of uh, really cool things that are happening in that field. But uh, Christian, for you, um, what for you are the most important trends in edtech today? And how are they being applied within the context of learning and development? I think uh, there are three, four, maybe five areas that, that I would point out that I see as, as important trends to understand. And one of them is you need to be mobile. All learning that you try to give or distribute has to be available when the people, they need it or when they have time to do it. And that is fine sometimes sitting in front of your computer at home or in the office, but many other times you are on the move and you need to be able to access it or to continue where you left uh, on a mobile device. So training that is not readily available, mobile as well, will be less important for, for most people and, and organizations. So mobile is, I would say, one, one of the most important trends. Uh, this also fits well into the one that I called on demand, mm. because I see, and I don't know if that's just us in our area, we see that there's a tendency to move away from the traditional I do a plan for what you need to do and then you mm. follow it and then we find out you need to learn this later to say, I need this now or very soon. So people should be able to pull in the learning material from whatever their company or whatever source they can find to help them do their job or make their skills better. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So I think the on-demand is, is also pushing towards that I as an individual even if it's private and not in relation to a, to, a, to a job position or anything, I need to be able to on demand find the training I need either for now or later. Absolutely, so on demand is essential, mobile is essential. Um, let's have a look at um, briefly video as well. What, what is your uh, opinion on the trend of video taking place at the moment, Christian? I think we have only seen the first drops of it. Very mm. soon there will be a tickling, then there'll be a river, and very soon I will see video equal learning. I, I, I find it hard to believe that, that in one or even, yeah, maybe one or two years from now, that you would be able to deliver any type of uh, e-learning without video. So you'll see the traditional like click, 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 some animation and then gone, that will be, be legacy. It's the so old way of doing things. Mm, so you're saying like we are just at the very tipping point, the very start of, of this trend. It, we, we almost haven't even started yet in your opinion. Is that right? That is, uh, that is my opinion here. 
and what we can see is also when we when we talk to 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 customers when we talk to to competitors mm. they're saying the same that people are have started to realize that what youtube started and and mm. sort of displayed is going to be a very significant factor in in learning in the future Interesting. Now, I'm going to come back to YouTube in a moment because um, at least um, when I'm running my communication courses for professional adults, we, we rely heavily on YouTube and LinkedIn videos. So I'd really like to get your two cents, your opinion on that in a moment. Um, but first of all, I'd just like to ask you about how video and on-demand is moving you know, to the front line of the organization. How, how is that happening? And could you give us an example of that. Yes, yes. I think uh, what I mean when when I think about it in that respect is that often in, in, in the traditional organization, the training is being made in the back office. It is being pushed mm. out through the organization levels. And mm. then finally, it hits the front office person or the, or the person actually facing the customers or the mm -hmm. problems. And what we will see or at least the trend that, that, that we see is that it's turning around because the people with mm -hmm. the most knowledge are not the people designing a comprehensive training package or program in the back office, but it's the people who are sitting out there dealing with the products, dealing with the customers every day. Mm. And they also have the knowledge. And, and when you then liberate them from, how can you say, the red tape of the organization. Mm. Bureaucracy, yeah. Bureaucracy, that's a very mm. good way uh, of saying it then suddenly you have some people out there with the knowledge, with the ability to tell how things should be done, who can record a video, add a few check questions, and distribute it out in the organization, either directly to people they know have the same problem, or to people who could benefit from it. Or publish it on the internal learning channel for product XYZ, to take an example. That's very interesting, you mentioned um, we are now, the back office is now separated uh, currently in many organizational environments. It's, it's very much separated. So the learning is created and an enormous amount of resources goes into creating it for a specific purpose. And then it gets pushed to the front office. But you're saying now that that is, that's now the opposite. It, it, it's, it's now bottom up. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Because especially, again, if we go back to video, mm -hmm. it's very easy to take your cell phone or your mobile phone, and most people will have a video camera there. So they would be able to, you know, record a video, voice over, and then share it. And that's basically what you can do. Right. Um, if I can just mention a few things at the end, and that is, even though that you can call the things we talked about, the, the learning tools or the learning enablers or trends, we should not forget that technology and, and how that works also impacts a lot on, on what will happen in the training area in the future. Uh, and if I can just come up with a few buzzwords, it would be AI, artificial intelligence, mm. M, intelligence ML machine learning, mm. and then 5G on the, on the mobile access. Excellent. So, so that's, I really want to focus in on that because artificial intelligence is, is, you know, everybody's hearing about it all, you know, all over the place. 
um, even the person, the average person on the street is hearing about artificial intelligence. And I'd like to go back to YouTube and how, um, you know, I've spent so much time consuming content on YouTube. And you know, on YouTube, you get these recommended videos. It kind of learns your behavior um, and kind of gives you more of what you want. Is that artificial intelligence? Is that how we can understand how it works in a learning environment? Yes, that's a very good picture. It's an analogy that, that shows how it could also work in your learning environment. Because instead of watching music videos of a certain type and it will automatically mm -hmm. suggest something, then using or applying artificial intelligence in a learning environment could say, okay, you have now taken these three, four courses. We mm. have accessed your work records from a project system, whatever. And we can see that you have booked hours or booked tickets against a certain product. And that means that you would probably need this type of training either now or very soon. So in this way, you can apply some of these machine learning rules and, 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 and uh, approximations to say, based on what I know, based on what I can see from other systems, you will probably need this now or very soon. I see the benefit is, is, is for me very, very clear, but how easy is that to implement in an organization? Um, I mean, I'm sure a lot of organizations are like, wow, artificial intelligence, you know, how do we do that? How do we implement that? Uh, to be honest, I would not know the answer to that because it, it's very mm. depending on the organization, the amount of mm. data you have available. Mm. And also if you already have a system or you have a technology in-house that supports the AI or ML implementation. Absolutely. So, so I would, as a, as a smaller medium sized, I will mm. go for something where at least I personally could search and find people. And if the system had something built in, I would hook up my, yeah, my CRM system or my invoicing system to sort of get this information out. So, so it would be, I, I would look for a vendor who already had a track record in this. So I cannot be more specific there because I don't have Absolutely. the concrete knowledge. So of course it's case by case basis and companies need to be aware of uh, what they currently, where they currently stand um, in uh, their, uh, mm. yeah. I think if you if you if you're an organization having many people in the service area or support area, I think it could be very beneficial to do something like this, because then you would be able to let the the AI engine hook up on the initial trends, and with some probability forecast, what do I now need to train my people train. for? Right, right, fantastic. Fantastic. And just before we move on to the next section, um, 5G, now you posted on LinkedIn an article recently, 5G for education is finally here. What kind of impact is that really going to have on, you know, video-based learning and on the organization as a whole moving forward over the next couple of years? It's got to be huge. Mm. That's, that's the, short, the short answer to that. And the reason is, again, here we have a technology that is as such well-known because we've been had, having had mobile phones and, and mobile data for a long time. But what 5G does, especially in the area of education and video, is that it gives you bandwidth almost everywhere you need it. You get lower latency. That means you have to wait less or, or, or fewer times to get the content you need. With a static web page, you don't care too much because you download the page and you have it on your phone 
and you don't really need high data rates or, or low latency. But when you do video, there's only so much data your device can sort of load up front. And if you cut off, it will freeze. I think any listener to this program will know how that works on YouTube if suddenly you lose connection. Absolutely, absolutely. But how can we see that in an organizational environment, um, 5G uh, helping with, you know, um, the distribution of um, courses, trainings, um, you name it, um, you know, uh, employees being out in the field. Um, how do we see that's that? That's exactly, yeah, but that's exactly where they will go and, and benefit mm. because suddenly you don't need to have people pulled to uh, the course room, go through the stuff. Maybe they don't need half of it and they've forgotten at least two thirds of it when they really need it. So what you can do now is to use the, the breaks any job you have, no matter what type of job it is, there are some breaks. And then you could say, okay, what is the next thing I need to, to look at for the next 10, 15 minutes? And it doesn't matter if you're, you know, in a bus, you're sitting in a cafe, or you're sitting at your desk waiting for the next customer to call you. Absolutely. So, so I, I have a, one of my friends, he works for a German company, and he drives 600 miles do one week of product training, and then he drives 600 miles back. My guess is that he could probably have most of this cut down and put into some virtual sessions using video uh, and some online click, click, do you understand this, etc. Maybe just before he goes and service a customer. Absolutely. Saving time and money, Saving time. Yeah. Uh, everything. Absolutely. So, so, so this is where I think uh, mm. 5G is an enabler that mm. could sort of break down the boundary between learning and doing. And, and just go into that for the listener, just on behalf of the listener, what is the difference between learning and doing and, and how is that boundary breaking down? We just mentioned it, but just one more time. It, it's very simple because when you learn, you typically sit in a control environment you may have some on-the-job training, but that's also still a controlled environment where you have a senior employee, a senior colleague who, who helps you or shows you what to do. So you're sitting in a semi-artificial environment where you do the learning. And then sometimes later, you have to go out and do it. And the longer time there is between the learning and the doing, the more you have forgotten. You may want to Google, uh, I think it's called the uh, for gotten curved by there's a German psychologist who, who did that and, and you say you lose most of the stuff you learned within a month after you learned it. Absolutely and that's why face-to-face -face training is really um, dying out. Of course face-to-face -face training will always have its place in an organization but um, indeed indeed uh, the amount of information that's forgotten after face-to-face -face training is enormous indeed and I think a lot of our listeners really understand that and we want to find the best solution to be able to overcome this so that's really interesting with with technology of course okay so um we're going to take a quick break we'll be right back for the second section um and we're going to go more into uh, what is video-based learning in just a minute be right back with you in a, in a moment With so many different learning management systems on the market today, it can be a real pain and a lengthy process 
to find the right LMS for your business that suits the learning goals of your audience. Well, luckily, you're just one step away from trying out an LMS that might just go above and beyond your expectations in delivering powerful learning experiences for the needs of your learners. Get started today with a seven-day free trial and experience how feature-rich, easy, and scalable our LMS is and whether or not it's the right match to take your people and business to the next level. To start your free seven-day trial, call me on plus 84-86-989-7761. That's plus 84-86-989-7761. Or connect with me on LinkedIn by searching for Dave Online for more details and resources because I help companies create powerful learning experiences by leveraging SaaS and artificial intelligence. Okay, welcome back again to part two of this podcast. I'm here with Christian from Uqualio. It's been a great conversation so far. We're moving into the benefits of video-based learning. So um, Christian, over to you. Uh, Tell us all about it. Well, you can ask yourself, why is YouTube a success? Mm. It's very simple because nowadays you have Google for knowledge and YouTube for how to. I know Mm. there's a lot of other stuff about kittens and uh, music videos and everything. But (laughs) if you want to do something nowadays, you go onto YouTube and you say, how to to fix my machine, how to paint something correctly, how to split my bicycle and readjust it. So this is effectively what people are doing. They go to YouTube, they watch a video, and if the person who, who, who recorded the video is instructive, tells exactly what you should be aware of or how you should do it, like for instance, when you put on the, uh, the wheel again, don't tighten the bolts too hard because blah, 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 then you get a learning along the way. So basically that's why video is, 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 is so beneficial for learning. Absolutely. And uh, I use it to this day intensely with my students, you know, uh, how to be successful, how to increase your productivity. We watch the video, we consume the video. Um, we, we were not, you know, we have to focus on the, the content intensely and, and try to see if any of the information speaks to us. And usually it's just a very small part of the video that is actually valuable to us um, since we are all different um, we all um, are looking for something slightly different because we have different applications and different things we are trying to solve in our lives so um, I'm really fascinated how, um, how how video learning can get to the next level because I feel right now it's extremely limited um, and it feels like there's a lot lacking currently on the YouTube platform, even though YouTube is an amazing, amazing resource. But what's next in video? Um, how, can we, how can we benefit even more? I think that is by, you can call it, pluck the holes that we have in the pure YouTube application. Because when you send out uh, some links to your students, Dave, do you know if they actually watch the video? Not really. I don't. Do, do, do you know if they understand, let's call it, the unique selling points of, of, of or the unique points of the video, of the learning? 
Mm, I would say the answer is no as well. Yeah, exactly. And this in is most cases no. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why we say that video is is really good because you mm. go in and you have a situation where people they actually learn more than they watch. I think it's about seventy percent of your perceptual information is coming mm. through your eyes and the way that you watch things, you see things, you notice things. So if you process the eye information faster than the listening and the reading skills, then it also gives you a more lasting impression of the learning, or at least the potential impression of the learning. Right. Is, is that so based, having video, sorry? Is that based on uh, experiential learning? Is that a similar kind of idea that the, the process, uh, the eyes processing the images on the screen is similar to kind of attaching it to an experiential uh, learning yes, experience? Yes. It's the same psychological effect that you have in your brain as a, as a human being that you have your sensory input with your eyes giving you, I think it's about 70% if I recall correctly. And then you have maybe 15% from your listening and then smelling, feeling, etc. at the end. Again, depending on the type of training. So it means that if you can add the video dimension to your learning and at the same time have some good audio, and at the same time, maybe have some key elements on the screen at the same time to say an arrow pointing to this is where you should press stop if the machine suddenly start racing away. This is, this is how it works and, and where you get extra benefit when you put in yeah. this material in your video. So um, on one side, uh, you're saying that video content, it's more than we need actually. Um, which is partly, yeah. yeah, which is partly due to, I guess, um, having a clear objective, because um, I think that's one of the biggest problems, at least with my clients, uh, students, um, there's a lack of clear goal setting and, okay, what, what outcomes are we looking for? What outcomes do we need? Yeah. So this is a, to, hmm. to, to take an example, my wife, for instance, if you send her a YouTube video, or similar, the first thing she does is to say, okay, is there a transcript or a link to a page where mm. I can read the same? Because exactly. she reads much faster, not, not the total text, but she can scan for the stuff she needs. So as you say, I do a two minutes instruction video, a micro learning type of video. And to be honest, there are three key points that you should take away as a learner. And that's maybe 15 seconds, 10 seconds and 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. So that's a total of 40 seconds out of a three minutes video that are sort of the key points. The first time you see it, it makes sense to sort of see the context, hear the complete story about the learning at hand. But the second time around, you just need to have those 40 seconds of knowledge. And this is where YouTube again fails you because you can bookmark it, but everyone can bookmark a video and suddenly you have 25 bookmarks that means something different to 25 people. Whereas, the bookmark you need is the one that the instructor or the person who created the video said, these are the 15 seconds you need to know. These are the 10 and these are the 15. So this exactly. is again, one of the gaps in YouTube that makes it less suited for structured learning processes. Absolutely. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. So there is a, a big, as you say it, uh, you put it, um, it, there is a huge hole. There's a, um, a big gap. I think my, my listeners will understand it by a, a yeah, big mind gap. The gap. Yeah. Mind, mind the gap. Yeah. In, in learning on YouTube and um, we still have a long way to go and we're going to talk more about the, um, uh, 
how the tech can help us. But um, let's just briefly touch on uh, gamification um, within the, uh, that's just the last point there on, on, on this uh, topic. So uh, maybe my listeners are familiar with uh, gamification and earning badges in learning and, you know, sharing your, uh, your, your rewards and points with your community. Um, is it effective? Um, how can we apply this to video-based learning in your opinion? I think the same principles that you do in different types of games, I could be on the computer, it can be social games. It can also be on the, on the Duolingo app, for instance, the, the app that teaches you a new language. The fact that you sort of get on a hit list, hey, you're the guy who did most points within the last two weeks or something like this, or hey, by the way, if you manage to get another 30%, you will be above a line. These small things can, can be very effective in gaming and, and, and competitions. And we can also see from, from uh, experience and from research that if you apply to learning, it can move a lot of people up faster. Maybe not to a higher level, but they will reach the required level or their final level in that area much faster if you apply this type of gamification to say, hey Dave, this is Christian. Here on Facebook, you can see that I got the silver badge. I think this is really cool. Then you read it on Facebook and you click on the link and you say, hey, I can do better than silver. You try two or three mm. times and suddenly you have a gold badge and you write back to Christian, hey, silver is good, but gold is better. Right. This way, and this way you have sort of an internal quest for learning. Mm. using the gamification effect. So there's, uh, there's, it creates the competition and uh, hopefully it can motivate and stimulate learners. But is it always in, in, in all applications, I'm, I'm talking about culture, do you think gamification is always uh, a good thing to, to apply it, to a learning setting? Uh, not always. It depends, as you say, about the culture, the country and the tradition. And you always have to respect that. Like for instance, here in Europe, we have uh, our neighbor country is Germany. And in Germany, they have uh, very strict rules about what you can share internally in a company. So if, the, if we were working in the same company, it would not by default be allowed to let me know what your results were in a training program. They might share it in, in, other, in other ways or in specific cases, but it yes. wouldn't be... It would be something that, you know, I can see on the scoreboard, hey, I'm doing better than Dave, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So it wouldn't so, so be even, public. Even here in, yeah, so it, it has to be adapted. And this is also, again, why, even though we are a global world and a lot of the things we work on is out in the cloud and can be reached from anywhere with an internet connection or a, a 5G video, uh, 4 or 5G video, so video smartphone, there are still some local stuff that you cannot ignore. So. Absolutely. Yeah, that's interesting because uh, we were before the interview, we had a quick brief talk about culture and gamification and uh, being in Vietnam. Vietnam, um, of course, as uh, people are aware, it's still a very much a collectivist society. Everybody should, um, everyone is in the group together and differences standing out too much and differences in performance. It's, it doesn't go down too well um when people are competing against each other um 
compared to individualistic cultures where that can maybe be more effective. So it will be interesting to see how gamification works uh, yep. here. Mm, absolutely. So, um, so that's just a, just, just a thought we had about culture, thinking about culture and the application uh, thereof. Okay, um, go ahead, go ahead, Christian. No, but, but even though we do e-learning and we use technology to enable how we do things, how we train ourselves or our, our people, then learning is a social function. It's a person-to-person mm. -person or whatever. You always need to look at the communication model. Mm. Who is the sender? Who is the recipient? What is the message? And what, are, what is the, the means of technology? What is the channel you use to communicate? So in all cases, it doesn't matter. You cannot just say one, one size fits all. Exactly. So, so, so I, I think even though that we do global stuff and we have customers who, 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 who make one video and then they share it across the world, in other cases, you need to say, yes, this is fine. We will pick it out, but we will supplement it with, you can call it the local adaption. And that could be either due to legal reasons or cultural reasons. But you still always need to say, who's the recipient and is it fine as it is? Or does it need a tweaking or a completely different version? Interesting. Yeah, those are the considerations. Absolutely fantastic. Um, now, the next question we're talking, we're moving on to um, video based learning within the flow of work. Can it be done? Uh, we talked about a short answer and a long answer. Which one do you want to go for, Christian? <laughs> Let's just say the, the short answer is yes. And, and the longer answer is, of course, as usual, it depends on, 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 on where and how. But we can see that very often you have situations where you have uh, either a lot of things that people cannot read up front because there are simply, let's say, too many different printers from a company. So as a service person, you cannot know all of them. Uh, and in some cases, like, you know, changing the toner or something is pretty simple on all machines. But in some cases, like for instance, exchanging or doing maintenance inside the machine is specific, but you cannot teach them, to, your service staff to do support and maintenance on all your types of printers. So what you do is that you say, fine, I will put in a registration number. And when I do my how to change the drum inside the printer, I will make it possible for the service person very fast to find it by maybe entering the the parts number or the machine ID. And then there'll be a short video showing mm. this is what you do. This is what you should not do. Have you understood the five most important points? Meaning that you have to get at least five out of six questions correctly. And when you have done that, then you can start your maintenance. Interesting. So, so you can do just before the job training to, to, to use it inside the flow of your work to say, okay, I identified the problem. It's a drum that needs replacement. This is a, a model that I'm not familiar with. Uh, my, my badge is not at 80% or higher for this model. So I will take the training, which will take maybe two times three minutes. I get six out of uh, five out of six questions correctly. Now I'm ready to mm. yeah, open the machine, replace the drum, verify that it works. Mm. So yes. Interesting. So this is, this is a great example for um, manual work. Um, and um, yes, of course, yeah, if you don't have the knowledge on a specific product or service that you need to uh, maintain for a customer, um, you said three or four minutes 
taking a, you know, a quick video, um, punching in a couple of answers and getting the video and then being able to execute on it. Uh, that sounds fantastic. I think uh, a lot of companies would, would love a solution like that. I can see the benefits directly. That, that's, that's excellent. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, let's have a look here. Uh, we are going to be back in a moment for the final part, section three. We're going to talk about e-learning, um, video and social learning communities of the future. And uh, we're going to then wrap it up um, in a moment. So we'll be right back, uh, Christian and I, in just a moment. Are you enjoying this episode and are you looking for a great place to advertise your business? Why not advertise right here on the Upskill podcast? There are many options to choose from, such as full podcast sponsorships, individual episodes, or a series of episodes for individuals or for companies, as well as in-stream audio ad slots. Depending on your needs, we can make it happen. As you know, podcasts are the new and one of the very best places to build brand awareness as they have highly targeted and niche audiences who are interested in your product and service offerings. By advertising your business on the Upskill podcast helps us to remain a free educational resource for our listeners in learning and development to enjoy and to keep them learning. Visit our website, www.theupskillpodcast.com for more details or email us at daveonline at theupskillpodcast.com. Welcome back to the final section of this podcast. I'm here with Christian and we are moving into the next uh, question here on social communities in helping learners um, to advance in their learning journeys because you know Christian one of the things I hear from well I'm based in Vietnam so I hear this constantly from clients here is how do I know where I'm going in my learning journey how do I know what I need to learn in order to get to the next level like there's a lot of people that are quite confused about um, the direction that they're learning journey is is on quite frankly so how can social learning communities help us um and how can we create them in, in the organizational structure in your opinion uh what i th what i think here is is very down to how it can be communicated because very often you as a as a potential learner in an area or you already initially started you don't know what to do next so you need to find maybe someone who could be mentoring you towards the correct direction. And, and the difference between sort of a mentor and what you read on Facebook or other social media is that the mentor typically has experience, will be knowledgeable about both the, the topic or the area and can point you in the right direction. So this is where the, the social impact of, of video, you see it partly on, on the YouTube channels where people are following a, a guy or a person who is publishing videos on one topic or the other. And he can also sometimes be a mentoring point. But very often it's a one-way communication from the channel publisher, the, the YouTuber, 
to the audience. And this is where it has to be possible for the person who wants to learn to ask questions, to get feedback, to maybe be pointed in the right direction. And, and this is where video is, 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 is a good place mm -hmm. because you can quickly create new content, especially if you go for the front yeah. office type of training we talked about earlier. Uh, and you don't have to go through the hassle of, of red tape and bureaucracy to get things out. I think that's really interesting. And I think listeners will, will be very curious as to how that works um, in a real time setting. Uh, again, um, I hear this over and over. Um, access to information, okay, that's fine. But then finding a mentor who is experienced and that you can um, not only get in touch with, but you can get that feedback in real time. I think learners listening to this will really be like, wow, is that possible? Like, how can we, how can we get that? Because that, that's very attractive to be able to get that feedback and information in a two-way fashion, uh, rather than in that one-way dynamic that you were talking about, which is currently YouTube. Um, the way YouTube works, you have the, the YouTuber and there's the, in the comment section and you can ask questions, but when do you get your answer or, or so? Uh, and that's why, that's a, one of the things that you don't get directly in YouTube is the ability to write back to the persons who have asked your question. You can right. answer to it in the stream, but sometimes it might be a personal question or it might be, I don't really understand your question. Could you please elaborate? But Many people, including myself, sometimes don't want to write publicly that, I'm sorry, Dave, but I think this is a good question, but to be honest, I don't understand it. Can you please elaborate a little? Can you explain it a little better to me? Whereas if you do that in a private conversation, then the mentor can say, ah, mm. now I understand it. Share the result or point to another resource for you. And at the same time, update his own public channel or, or training channel with by the way, I got this question the other day. Exactly. And then suddenly you have a process where the noise that you see on YouTube with comments, answering comments, I don't like this, you should have watched something else. Why did mm. you make the video so long? Blah, blah, blah. It's gone. <laughs> you don't have the clutter or the mm. noise. You only have sort of, I wouldn't call it, uh, you know, well thought yes. out answers with well thought out and easy to follow exactly questions uh, that's, answer, uh, questions that's, answers yeah. that's very interesting uh point so at the moment the current state of youtube um is all the comments section is just people trying to gain clarity and also at the same time trying to get their questions in on the topic that they're they're learning on and um there's all that noise. There's all this, all these comments, uh, as we all know it, uh, and that's fascinating. And 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 at the same time, by the same token, the um, the YouTuber is using the comments to formulate the next video. But that could be a month later. That could be you know six months later. Um, the YouTuber is trying to uh, figure out what his audience needs, uh, but he cannot or she cannot provide the learner with exactly what they need right at that moment. It's impossible because it's just one person. So what's the next step? Uh, how can we envision, how can we see the, the next step? Yeah, I would see that as, as some sort of a, it could also be AI, as you say, because here you have all the questions coming in. 
-hmm. Clearly, if you have 10,000 followers and they follow your training, they take your advice on, on what links or what books to read or what video trainings to take, then it's a little harder. But, but you still would be able to say, what are people talking about? What is the trend? And also important, and this is where, again, at least YouTube out of the box does not give you the information. What are the analytic information about your content? Interesting. What parts of the video, what videos are they watching? Because you may have put three or four videos into a small training program, but which of the videos do they actually watch? Do they answer some of the practice questions inside each training? And when they do the test, is there some sort of trends or statistics that tells you that, oops, I need to explain the background of GDPR better because they don't understand the real context, for instance. So in this way, it's not enough just to have the data out there, to have lots of followers, to produce videos. You also need to evaluate the, the feedback. And here you need analytics that, that doesn't come out of the box with YouTube. Interesting. So uh, analytics is, is the key uh, using artificial intelligence, etc. Um, to understand the behavior of um, what people are experiencing in their own learning. Do they get it? Do they not get it? Um, how many people are really, um, really, you know, getting the big, biggest value, the, the, the value from or, or, the learning experience? Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe, or yeah. maybe to put it more, more direct. Yeah. Have I produced some learning material mm. that people are getting? Because you have yeah. the responsibility. And very often, I think some, some uh, people on YouTube, they, they may see themselves on a pedestal as being mm. the God's gift to society <laughs> instead of turning around and saying, I can contribute, but I need to evaluate my own products. Mm. Is it good? Do people understand it? Do I need to split this five, seven minute videos down into two, three plus one minute, three right. plus two, et cetera, this? I think something you don't see in the young people, you need to be a little mature and experienced to understand that, that you have to, to be self-realistic when you produce your content. And that's why Absolutely. YouTube is also sometimes not very, very good because you don't get this feedback and you don't get the analytics Absolutely. support to help you. Absolutely. So, so let's move on to how, what you're doing at Uqualio and how does the Uqualio solution help learners uh, with video-based learning? Yes, thanks a lot. Well, what we do is that we are offering you the ability to post your video content uh, on our platform, create a single course, one or more courses, put them on a channel. And when you do that, you create a video in whatever format you like it, and then we can help you argument you're learning by adding questions. So for instance, like in the training part where you practice, you know, you watch the video, you answer a couple of practice questions. You can take the training as many times as you like. And when you answer incorrectly, it is possible for me as an instructor to say, oh, Christian, you did not understand what GDPR stands for. And then I can cue you to those four or five seconds where this is what GDPR stands for. And then you can answer the multiple choice question below. So in this way, you have people getting the two, three, four unique points of each short video as one of the steps. And secondly, when we have this, we can put in a test so you can certify people or they can receive a badge that they either can share or they can put on their wall and say, 
I know how to service this printer, so I'm okay to send out to this one, meaning that you can use it both in a personal competence development situation, but also as, okay, I have a problem at a customer with this particular printer, who can I send out? So that's, that's what we're doing there. Absolutely. And, and would you say this solution is suitable for all industries and um, you know, product industries, service industries, are there limitations? Um, uh, I, I would say so, because as we say, you come up with the video. So if you can video it and cut mm. it into not too long videos to, to make it easy to consume and use when needed on job mm -hmm. training or, right. or, or, or write in process, as discussed earlier, then, then we haven't found any industry that cannot benefit from it. Mm. The Absolutely. only limitation we have is bandwidth. You need to be in a place bandwidth. where you can watch the video, which right. is why we welcome 5G being rolled out globally over the next few years. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, so 5G is where it's at. Um, excellent. Uh, just one more, uh, two quick things here, uh, Christian, before we have to wrap up for this uh, amazing podcast episode with you. I'm really enjoying it thoroughly. What advice do you have for anyone listening um, who's in L&D in Vietnam or anywhere else in the world um, or uh, someone who's listening in a company right now? What can they do to learn better and faster with video-based learning? I think they should uh, maybe go to our website and try out some of the open courses, the public courses to see how it could work. And mm -hmm. if they like it there, then that's an, a starting point. Because it could be that, that our solution is great for them. It could also be that they say, I like this, but I need it in a different way because my organization is different. But I think uh, what you can see on our public directory is, uh, is a good starting point to give you an idea about the, the benefits and how you would be able to utilize it for different industries and different sectors uh, and for different situations. That's fantastic, Christian. And last Question here, how can people, of course, get in touch with you, website, email, LinkedIn? We're available uh, through our website, so Google Qualio uh, or video e-learning platform. And I think we are one of the first hits on Google after the paid commercials. Uh, we are on LinkedIn as Qualio, uh, and I'm always available as Christian Nielsen, either on LinkedIn or on Twitter. And uh, well, basically, or just write an email to support at qualio.com and we will definitely get back to you. Excellent, Christian. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on the Upskill podcast. I hope you can come, about, come back again at some point in the future to update us on video-based learning. Um, in the meantime, I'll include the links in the show notes. So thank you very much again. Thank you very much, Dave. It has been a pleasure to uh, having been here today and to, to inform your listeners about some of the trends inside video learning and also how we can utilize it in your daily life, both as a personal uh, individual and as a company. Thank you very Thanks. much. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. So that's it for another episode of the Upskill podcast. I hope it brought you value. If it did, please help me to leave a review in Apple Podcasts so then more people can find this podcast and enjoy it and learn from it. Also feel free to connect with me, Dave, online on LinkedIn. You can also check the website www.theupskillpodcast.com for the transcripts and also the YouTube videos of the interviews. And if you'd like to be a guest on the Upskill Podcast, by all means, go to the website 
and book your slot for an interview with me. I'm looking forward to it and I'm looking forward to seeing you back again for another episode on the Upskill Podcast. Bye for now.